Thanks, Pastor Jaden. And uh, for those that don't know, Pastor Jaden is our uh, next-gen uh, student pastor here, and uh, I'm also one of the pastors at this, at this church and have the privilege to serve together with a, a great team of pastoral leaders and council leaders and, and to serve in the mission of Jesus with all of you who call Eaglemont your church family and engage in different ways in prayer and giving and serving in the mission of Jesus in this community and indeed influence around the world in our, in our missions giving. It's just a, a real privilege. It's just so great to be together today and so great for those that are engaging online wherever you may be today. Uh, I pray that you're strengthened and have been already strengthened and encouraged um, by, by doing so. We're continuing today in our sermon series based on the blessed are phrases of Jesus that he uh, shared as part of his introduction in what has been called, come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount. It wasn't a mountain like the Rockies, it was a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, but I'm sure it was picturesque and a beautiful place. Uh, These statements are referred to as the uh, Beatitudes, as they've come to be known, because the Latin root, Beatus, literally means blessed. And so Jesus goes through all of the things that that describe the, the, the blessed life. And at first glance, as we've learned these weeks since the first Sunday of July when we started this series, some of the things at first glance, that's a blessing? I don't think so. At least we, in our human terms, say that. And certainly the message that Terry's going to be preaching at the end of the month about being persecuted. Blessed are the... There's some some interesting and, and, and somewhat at times baffling statements of Jesus, but we've un been uh, unpacking these from a broader scriptural perspective that I I think has been helpful. And today we look at verse 7 of Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the merciful. Uh, But first, some life-changing words from Shawn Mendes about mercy. Some of the students may know. He sings, I'm saying, baby, please have mercy on me. Take it easy on my heart. Even though you don't mean to hurt me, you keep tearing me apart. Would you please have mercy, mercy on my heart? What a powerful way to start a message. (laughs) Thanks so much, Sean. It's true, though. Many times in life, we need mercy shown to us, don't we? by others, and certainly by God, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes we like to pigeonhole God's mercy, what it should look like. It doesn't always come in the way we think it should, and, and that kind of takes us down another path of discussion that we're not going down today, but Matthew 5, 3 to 7, let's read. And you remember the summer uh, Bible memory project of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 3 to 10. Go for it. Has anybody, where's Pastor Jaden? Has anybody taken you up on your your offer, your impromptu offer the other Sunday of of a free, what was it, a free coffee or a free gift card? What was it? Either. If you memorize that and you go to her and you recite it, have at her. I I think I'm going to do that too, so because I like coffee. 
But please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, whether you're here in person or engaging online, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to give you a complimentary copy of the the Scriptures. Uh, So far in this series, we've looked at the first four statements of these Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And today, the phrase, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I want to lay a biblical foundation for this message, as we always want to do here at Eaglemont. And, and, and my friends, let me, let me reiterate that for, that for living, that, that the very best approach for all of life is, as many of you know, and many of you endeavor to live with God's strength, is with a solidly biblical foundation and perspective for every aspect of life, even in this culture. The words of God are eternal. And we must never forget that. If we, if we claim to be Christ followers, we must live by God's word about relationships, about money, about morals and ethics, about how we treat others, uh, about sexuality and how God designed it and defines it. All of life, if we claim to be Christ followers, we must live by God's word. As uncomfortable as it may sometimes feel because of the bombardment. We know, many of us, the the bombardment of cultural messages we receive about, about many things, but but, but certainly about sexuality. And, and sadly, there are some who would claim to be Christ followers, uh, sometimes even people in pastoral roles who feel they have to uh, you know, dismantle the biblical message about this topic or, or other topics. And it's, it's sad and actually, quite frankly, a, a little bit scary. The, the minute we begin to minimize the Bible's authority and, and, and uh, cease to trust God's Word fully to uh, inform our lifestyle, to shape how we, how we think and, and live, we are in great spiritual danger, truly. Don't, don't, be, don't be deceived by what sounds, uh, in, in merely human terms, what sounds like the most loving thing to believe in this culture. Um, a culture that for decades has been endeavoring to, to, to minimize and to uh, uh, remove even God's input and, and God's perspective on, on, on all things, really. And, and our society has, has done a pretty good job of it. So, if you, think, uh, if you think that was a rabbit trail, it wasn't. Now, I've been known, as, if you've been around here a while, you, I, I've been known to take a rabbit trail or two, right? But that wasn't one. That was intentional, and that, that, that was, that, that, that's such high-priority stuff in how we approach life in our individual lives and in our life as a body. The Word of God is our plumb line, our foundation, our source. Our, we talk about our truth. That's pretty subjective. That doesn't even philosophically hold up. But our truth is God's truth because God's truth never changes. So there it is. The word mercy is close in definition to some other words like compassion, forgiveness, grace, but yet somewhat distinct from them as well. To show mercy 
is, uh, is to act on the compassion you may feel in your heart towards someone who's hurting. When you choose to forgive, you're acting in a merciful way. So blessed are you. God's grace is there for our sin. In other words, the, the unmerited love of God whereby I receive what I do not deserve is forgiveness and thus an eternal relationship with Him. That's, that's his, his grace that takes care of, of the sin barrier that's between me and God. Grace is there for our sin. Mercy is there for our suffering that sometimes... Not always, but sometimes comes as a result of our sin. So there's a little, you know, again, some similarity, but, but some differences as well. We know that mercy, if you know anything about the God of the Bible at all, we know that mercy is, uh, is a characteristic of God. And so when we act with mercy toward others, we're, we're being God-like. <laughs> and, that's, and that's awesome. And of course, God calls us. For those who claim to represent him, for those who have trusted in Christ as the forgiver of their sin and the leader of their life and, and, and are living their life to try to reflect the character and love and grace of God in this world, then, then, then God calls us and, and equips us and empowers us to, to live in a way that reflects his character. And being merciful, being a merciful person is part of that. And for some of you, that... I think like all different characteristics, right? Some just come, seem, to, seem to come naturally. Uh, sometimes behind the scenes, it's a lot of prayer and trial and error and oh, calling out on God, make me more merciful or whatever. But, but there, there's, there's some personalities where some of these things, they, they just come a little more naturally to some people. And, and that's awesome. Um, some have to really be intentional and prayerful. Uh, and, and so wherever we are at on that, that... That's okay, as long as we're aware that God wants us to be merciful. Because blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy, Jesus said. So I want us to look at some biblical examples quickly. First, let's look briefly at an Old Testament example of God's mercy shown toward a guy named David. Famous psalm he wrote, Psalm 51 where he was asking for forgiveness for, for sin. And in verse 1, very first verse of that psalm, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Those words were written by David when he was king after he had committed uh, adultery and, 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 uh, and then tried to, well, killed the husband of that lady that he had, had adultery with, um, killed him in battle and, and, or had him killed by sending him to the front lines to try to cover up his sexual sin. And you can read about that in 2 Samuel uh, chapters 11 and 12. The story is, is quite uh, just, just a wild story. The story of a man who was shown mercy by a God who's merciful. Even the most committed follower of Christ can have a moment of weakness or can get spiritually lazy in, in guarding their hearts so that, so that sins can start to look enticing. 
but it's only, uh, rather, it, it only, sin does, it only causes trouble and brokenness, and, and painful consequences will always be the outcome as, as they were with David, but, but God never withheld His mercy from David, did not withhold, when, when David called out for it, and maybe today, you need to ask specifically for God's mercy in some way to be shown in your life, whether it's, whether it's sin or, or suffering. God's mercy, God's mercy is there to sustain and to rescue. God gave David assurance through the words of a prophet named Nathan who came to him at God's direction to reassure David that he was forgiven. And, and in 2 Samuel 12, 13, it says that, that Nathan looked at David and said, after he had confessed, and, and he, he said, the Lord has taken away your sin. What a freeing reality. And many of you know this. You know this from your own experience what it is to have your sin forgiven. And as you're walking with Christ and you, and you blow it like I do in some way, and, 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 and then you, you know you can go to God, and He's merciful, and He's forgiving, and there's freedom that comes again, and there's a, a reconnection. Not that you're booted out of God's family, but there's a reconnection heart-to-heart -heart with God because of that mercy gift that comes to us. David was shown mercy. What about, an, uh, there's an Old Testament example of someone showing mercy, and again, from David's life. Let's look there. Before he was king, David, uh, shepherd boy turned king, um, but in, in the process of him moving towards being in the, in the role of, of king, uh, he was the object of abuse by a jealous king named Saul. And in the Old Testament history book of 1 Samuel 24, the story is told of how King Saul and his men were looking for David. Saul was, was just eaten up with jealousy and was set on killing David. And so David was on the run, David and his men. They were actually, at one point, the, the story is told of how David and his men were hiding out in a cave. Interesting story. Just so happened that Saul in his pursuit of David, walked into at least the front part of that cave, not knowing that David and his company of men were back deeper in the cave, hiding. In, uh, Saul went into the cave because he must have drank too much coffee. I, I don't know, I just can relate to this a little bit, those of you that know me, know me well. I sometimes have to leave staff meeting, not to get too graphic or anything, but, but seriously, in, in, in chapter 24 of 1 Samuel, verse 3, the NIV says it this way, that Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. Just saying. Bible says it. What are you laughing? We all do it. Anyway. Um, and, and at that point, David's men whisper, because they can see the silhouette of King Saul. David, here's your opportunity. Take him out. Hmm. But David didn't. David showed Saul mercy. Even though David had at one point dodged a spear that Saul had thrown at him, he knew, he knew Saul was out to kill him, to take away his threat of leadership. But David, no. David reflected the mercy that he knew God had as part of his character. Now, so a couple of great Old Testament examples of mercy displayed. 
Now, let's look at New Testament example of Jesus showing mercy in John 8. The story is told that one day while Jesus was teaching the self-righteous Jewish leaders called Pharisees, brought a woman caught in adultery and they brought her to Jesus to see what he would do, pointing out to Jesus, as if he didn't know, that according to their uh, Jewish law, a woman caught in adultery was to be stoned, killed. Brutal, brutal. But it was their law. And, and I love the cryptic and somewhat uh, perplexing response of Jesus in, in the Gospel of John in the New Testament, uh, chapter 8, verses 6 to 8, says, But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Interesting. When, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. In accordance with their, with their Jewish law, right? Again, he stooped down. And wrote on the ground. I'm sure he looked those pompous religious leaders right in the eye when he said, Any of you who are without sin, you can throw the first stone. Now, we don't know what he was writing in the dust, different ideas about that, but Jesus, Jesus' mercy spoke loud enough for all to hear, and one by one, those Pharisees, those self righteous religious leaders began to walk away. And in this narrative, there's an interesting statement that. The older ones did so first. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was the wisdom of living longer that caused them, yeah, you're right. I'm not without sin. Walk away. And they did. And they all walked away eventually. And then Jesus turns to this broken woman and spoke words of mercy. He said, no one condemns you. And neither do I condemn you. No, now, now go. Now go, though. He did say, go and leave your life of sin. That was his loving direction. Like that woman, none of us deserve God's mercy, and yet God loves to extend his mercy to us. And he showed that by sending his son to the cross to take our penalty, my penalty, but the, the, the just penalty of death, and he, which is really just means eternal separation from God, my creator. The just penalty of my death, Jesus stepped in and took it on himself. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. And of course, you know, God wants us to, on the other side of stepping into the relationship by faith in Christ and walking with Jesus, he, God wants us to, you know, wants to help us grow past our sin, but our, our sin will never cause him to love us less. It's amazing. And maybe for some of you, and, and there's, there's quite a number of people in this crowd that, that I don't know. Maybe I just met you, maybe not. So I don't know where, where you're at in, in terms of this message for your life personally, but, but it, is, it is phenomenal. And I, I pray that if you've never considered it, that you, that you would today, that Jesus loves you that much. I'm going to share just three scriptures of, of, uh, that, that illustrate God's character of mercy. And I want you to take note of these scriptures, write them down, or take, a, take your phone out and take a picture when, when they're on the screen, but, and, and spend some time rereading and reflecting on these truths about God's character in God's Word. Exodus 34, it's a book in the Old Testament, a, a history book in the Old Testament written thousands of years ago. And it says, and the Lord passed before him, Moses being the person there, 
and proclaimed the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. That's God. That's God described in the Old Testament even. Wow. (laughs) One of the many Old Testament verses that that describe God as as merciful, actually. Yes, in the Old Testament, where some people think, well, that's a different God than the than God, Jesus, uh, in the New Testament. Well, well, no, no. The, the abundant mercy phrase describing his character or, or similar phrases appear many times in the Old Testament. Yes, God punishes sin, but we can be so grateful that all God's judgment for our sin was put on Jesus Christ when he stepped in willingly for us. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And then the verse in the New Testament as well, Titus 3 verse 5, God saved us not because of the righteous or good things we could do or have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural work. And, and, and so many of you in this room have experienced that and, and live in that. Now, as always, when we hear God's word, we must ask, so how am I to respond? You know, it's the James 1.22 principle where James said, don't just listen to the word of God. Do what it says. Okay, so how does this affect me? I want to share just a few examples. You can think of so many on your own, I'm sure, but some ideas of what some responses can be action ideas. And then I want to conclude with a a story of mercy shown through someone's willingness to forgive. And then we'll land this plane and have ice cream sandwiches. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, there's some some very simple um, ways that mercy can be shown. And and again, you, you can easily make your own list, I'm sure, but shown through our lives. You can talk to a stranger. Is that a little awkward for some of you? Some of you do that regularly. You embarrass your wife. Who would do that? Oh, Terry as well? Yeah. Um, you might get a sideways look. And, but in doing that, you, you could and probably have stumbled upon someone who, who just needed to be noticed that day. And some of you are thinking of examples of that. God used you. That's, that's an expression of God's mercy to someone because they needed to be noticed. And you did that by an initially awkward little whatever statement. You can show mercy by choosing to say the words, I love you. When you're mad. You can show mercy by making eye contact with the cashier and, and genuinely asking. And they, they know when it's genuine. And so do you, right? By, by genuinely asking, how, how, how is your day going? How, 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 is your, how did your day start off today? How is it going for you? Yeah. Or you can word it in a way that suits you. I've had a few interesting 
and in a couple of cases, deeper conversations than I even anticipated by just talking to a cashier that way. That's showing mercy. That's showing God's mercy to people. Many who are alone, hurting, disillusioned, fearful. What a beautiful thing. Way to go. Many of you do that. Way to go. Keep it up. Or what about showing mercy by having our spiritual radar on for opportunities like when we cross paths with someone who has physical or material needs. There's a God-honoring way to respond in mercy, in helping, in humility. Or we can show mercy to a Christian who's struggling in their walk with Jesus. Brennan, I think in his prayer or some up here, referred to doubts. Well, Jude 22 in the, in the New Testament, a little book. Jude verse 22. There's only one chapter, so it's verse 22. It, have mercy on those who doubt. Huh. Don't judge them. Don't condemn them. Don't look down on them. No, walk with them. Who of us haven't had doubts at various times? To varying degrees, sure, but, right? Doubt. Encourage them to deal with doubt, honestly. Of course, it's an important way. That's an important way to solidify faith. Doubt isn't opposed to faith if you walk through it prayerfully and honestly with a loving friend. It's good. Shows mercy. Or for those who have failed terribly and they have, this, they have great shame, uh, embarrassment, or emotional pain. What a great opportunity to display God's character of mercy. God's heart for them by showing mercy. Not condemnation. We think we're above it, Paul says. Watch out. And that includes not talking about their failure with others as part of being merciful, right? Another example, lastly, many of you have had opportunity to show mercy to those who've, who've wronged you or hurt you. It's tough stuff. And instead of retaliation, there's that time, or maybe more than that one time, but when, when you... You allowed God's mercy to flow from your heart to that person by forgiving them as hard as it was to do. And, and remember, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation requires forgiveness, obviously, but forgiveness won't necessarily always result in reconciliation of the relationship, right? Because that takes both parties. So don't let the absence of or the lack of hope of reconciliation keep you from releasing forgiveness. No, we're just, we're just responsible for our part, whatever the situation is, right? Showing mercy by releasing forgiveness. Christ followers who've, I mean, we, we, we've been the recipients of, of God's amazing mercy and now he wants us to be conduits through which his mercy is shown to others. Jesus said in Luke 6.36, to be merciful as your heavenly father also is merciful. God requires, asks of us to reflect his character. It's not always easy, but it honors God and inspires people 
What a great couple of things to experience in life by our choice as we depend on God, of course. I want to conclude with a, a, a true story that I hope will inspire you towards showing mercy to those who've hurt you. And that's where we'll, I mean, it's kind of tentacles all over the, uh, you know, the, the map here and, and possibilities of how this looks in your life. But I, I want to touch on this one because I think the forgiveness piece of showing mercy is probably one of the most common uh, for, for people. The author of the book, The Applause from Heaven, a book probably 25 years old now, tells the story of a friend of his named Daniel. And Daniel was a successful weightlifter years ago in Brazil. And he, he taught others in this sport. As a matter of fact, he, he made his living through uh, lifting competitions and, and, and coaching others. And the teller of this story wrote, Daniel had a big heart to match his big biceps. I don't know, I like this story. It kind of reminded me of, the, of me there, so I, I share that with you. Laughter? No, okay, legitimate. But Daniel was working in a gym in, in Porto Alegre, in Brazil, and had a dream to own his own gym one day. And eventually, uh, a bank agreed to, loan, uh, to, a, to a loan for Daniel's business endeavor if he could get someone to co-sign the note. And his brother, his brother agreed. Soon Daniel got a call that he could pick up the check. And so at the end of his work day later that day, he went to the bank. And when he arrived, the loan officer was a little surprised to see him, telling him that his brother had already come and taken the money. Turned out that Daniel's brother quickly used it to retire the mortgage on his house. Of course, Daniel was incensed and deeply hurt. He, he, he never imagined that his brother could do such a thing. Well, he stormed over to his brother's house, and, and his brother answered the door holding his little, little daughter, knowing that Daniel wouldn't punch him in the face, holding his niece. Daniel told him that if he ever saw him again, he'd... And in the book, he described what he would do. Daniel went home... His big heart bruised and, 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 and broken by the trickery of his brother. And he had, he had no other choice but to go back to the gym and work to pay off that debt. A few months later, Daniel met a young American missionary who shared with him the good news message of Jesus and how Jesus offered full forgiveness and, and, and all the message of the good news story of the gospel. And, and sometime later, Daniel and his wife made the decision to surrender their lives to Christ. They became devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And although Daniel had been, by, by, by surrendering to Christ and receiving his forgiveness, he'd, he'd been forgiven so much in that moment, he, he, still, he still thought it impossible that he could forgive his brother. The poison of, of revenge had, had, had so infected his heart. He, di he, he didn't see his brother for about two years, and, and both of them knew they would eventually cross paths, cross paths, but neither of them knew exactly what would happen when they did. Well, that encounter occurred one day on a busy avenue, and Daniel described it this way. He said, I saw him, his, his brother, but he didn't see me. 
I felt my fist, and this is after he's surrendered his life as a Christ follower. He says, I felt my fist clench and my face get hot. My initial impulse was to grab him around the throat and choke the life out of him. But as I looked into his face, my anger began to melt. For as I looked at him, I saw the image of my father, referring to his earthly father. He said, I I saw my father's eyes. I saw my father's expression. My father's look. And as I saw my father in his face, my enemy once again became my brother. Daniel walked toward him. His brother noticed and started to to run, but Daniel lunged and grabbed his arm. And his brother winced, expecting the worst. But rather than having those big hands around his neck, squeezing the life out of him, He found himself hugged. By Daniel's big arms. And the two brothers. In the middle of that busy sidewalk. Stood and wept together. By the giving. And the receiving. Of forgiveness. I guess Marlowe chokes up, well, because he chokes up easily. But I don't know these guys, but I, I, I choke up because as I, as I read that story, share that story, I think of the amazing forgiveness that I've received from the God who created me and that I offend by my sin. As Christ followers, what if, what if we chose to see our Father's image, our Father's image in the face of our enemy? The next time you see the person who hurt you, look a second time. As you look into their face, choose to see the image of your heavenly Father, of your Creator, of the one who granted you overflowing mercy when you didn't deserve it. Choose to see the face of your heavenly father instead of seeing the one whom it would be easy to hate or to hold a grudge against. Forgiveness is a choice. Showing mercy is a choice. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We want mercy, don't we? We must be willing to be merciful toward others, and, and that, that will only happen fully as we depend on God's strength and, and allow Him to help us reflect His character, because I don't know about you, but I, I can't do that on my own. Let's ask Him in these moments as we close before Pastor Jaden comes to give us some final direction, but I want to pray for all of us, myself included, that we would have God's help to show His mercy in every situation as we, as we live and walk in our world. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we do ask those of us who are, are committed to follow you that we would consistently display your heart of mercy to people that we cross paths with, to people we know well and some we don't to many who are hurting and broken in pain emotionally and otherwise. God, help us to reflect 
and share the mercy you've poured into our lives. To share that by your strength and wisdom in every interaction you allow us to have with people in our world every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for opening your heart to God's word today.